Welcome to episode 4 of the Before It Was Called podcast, technically episode 2, part 3 of the Jay Later saga. We're going to be talking about uh, Jay's uh, expertise, which is comedy. Uh, he is an amateur com- comedian. I was about to say something else, but it was wrong. But uh, this is more his foray, so I let him take lead on a lot of stuff. Uh, he makes me laugh so bloody hard during this segment. Uh, it is shorter than the other two, but it is still very enjoyable. Uh, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, like, share, subscribe, the whole works. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify if you don't want to listen to it on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, it's soon going to be available on YouTube. Hopefully it already is. I don't know. I'm recording this ahead of time. Uh, but yeah, what do you say we uh, kick off the show? Welcome. 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 This next segment is based on comedy, and I'm pretty much going to let you lead this, because although I've worked with comedians, although I know a couple, this is more your realm. It is. um, I wouldn't even say it's my realm. It's the one that I've got even a tiny amount of experience in that a lot of other people haven't. So, like, and I'm amateur. I'm never going to say I'm the greatest comedian ever. I'm not going to say that... um, everyone should like my comedy because I'm still just starting. I'm still a baby at it. Um, so I, I have to talk about my experiences performing comedy. Like I've had bad gigs. I've had good gigs. Um, I've talked briefly about my first gig where I ended up coming second in a competition and got to um, open for Tom Ballard, which was an amazing experience. I was incredibly humbled by it and it was great fun. But um, the whole thing of me getting into comedy. So as I said a few moments ago, I've got a shaking condition in my hands. And I was, yeah, yeah, I know. It's such a surprise considering we were going to start a podcast called the Shakes and Frames thing, (laughs) except I'm the only one that's consisted with that because you're now the wheels or tires or something like that. Um, Yeah, treads. That's better. I like treads. Shakes and treads. Um, (laughs) You're the world's worst buddy cop movie because you can't chase the baddies and I try and shoot them and shake and like hit an innocent. So it'd be a realistic one in America. Like one of the characters is on like a scooter sort of thing. The other one just shoots innocents. Um, Let alone uh, cuffing them. I couldn't yeah. reach down to cuff them and you couldn't get the I couldn't uncuff them. Me getting, trying to get that key in there, that'd be a fucker. <laughs> um, but yeah, so have, developing a shaking condition at the age of 12 and as I got older, it got worse. And I was a drama kid and I loved performing and writing. And it's like, okay unless I'm playing Michael J. Fox on stage, everyone's going to think I'm really nervous and it's just going to ruin that whole thing. (laughs) And I can't sing. And playing most instruments is pretty damn difficult for me. So I wanted to keep performing and I thought, okay, what's a way I could do it? And amongst my group of friends, I was always the funny one. I was the smart ass. I was all that. So I was like, okay, let's try comedy. And I started writing, coming up with ideas. And um, when I saw an opportunity, I went for it and it wasn't my best gig. I'll, definitely say that 
but apparently it was a very funny one. Like my jokes were good enough. The audience liked it. And I kept following it up. I kept writing and I had a couple of gigs in um, Bathurst where I was at uni. And with those gigs, I got to perform with um, Al Del Bean, who's an American comic who lives in Australia, um, who came up with Dane Cook from the States. Great comic. Um, I got to perform for Fren- – I got to open for Frenchie. Um, those who don't know who Frenchie is, he's got a lot of stuff on Facebook, absolutely exploded as a comic – I'd probably say he's my generation's Dave Hughes, where Dave Hughes just exploded out of nowhere. Frenchie's done that, and yeah, like, great comic, and he gave me huge props when I came off. Um, And yeah, for me, comedy was always just a way like, oh, I can make people laugh, this is a good bit of fun, I'm going to keep going with this and making it a thing for me. Um, And yeah, I've absolutely loved it. It's my way of performing, my way of venting frustrations or just seeing things that make me laugh and just like most of it comes from banter with friends and I just write it down and it's like, Oh, okay. This is something that I like. I'm going to keep going with this. So yeah, that's pretty much my experiences performing comedy. I've um, been at raw comedy, comedy competition. Um, didn't do well cause I was out of practice, but got some really good laughs from the audience. Um, I've, done a couple of open mics i've had people come up to me that i didn't know who recognized me from my comedy so that's all been nice and now that covid's limited touch wood i'm planning on trying to do some more open mics and get some like 10 minute spots here and there um the only positive out of covid well sorry the two positives out of covid one is it's given me a lot more time for writing and i've come up with a lot of good material i feel number two the good thing to come out of covid is that it reduced the amount of school shootings in america because it kept people out of school so covid saved some lives um (laughs) oh god damn (laughs) um i knew you were gonna take your ticket to america right there i just knew you were uh, well, like, and I know I'm not supposed to say it a lot, but when it comes to America, cunts fucked. Um, <laughs> like, seriously, like, it's true. It's true. It's so true. They're fucked. Um, so yeah, those are pretty much my experiences performing comedy, sort of thing. Like, um, so what would you say are the bad experiences? Like, uh, uh, how would you do? You said before that you had a few bad gigs. How would had, you uh, quantify a bad gig? Okay, so this gig, I got rattled by a heckler, um, and I went, I went the wrong angle with dealing with them. I went instead of going with something funny, I went for a guilt trip, and I brought up my shaking and saying, "Oh, I'm a person with a disability trying to do this. What the fuck are you doing?" Like, and I went for the guilt trip, which didn't work. Uh, you have to okay. be a smartass because if I, well, I went for the guilt trip, which meant it showed that they rattled me, and that yeah. was my that was my bad gig. Like that, like, and it was. The gig itself was raising money for cancer, and um, the comedians that came for it were fantastic. And, yeah, I got rattled in that one, and I wish I hadn't because I could have done so much better. Um, But, yeah, and, like, I hadn't come up with much new material by that stage, so it was getting a bit tired for me as well. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's why I'll say that's a bad gig. Like, I got some good laughs and everything. Even the best one get rattled. I mean, I've seen uh, Ross Noble get rattled. I've seen Carl Barron get rattled. I saw uh, in the gig you were talking about before, Tom Ballard got rattled in Orange. Oh, yeah. Super nice, Mo Long Roll. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like it's um, 
And like that's why I put it down to as a bad gig. Like I could have handled it better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could have done it a lot more funny. Like, and since then I've come up with like just in preparation because I've got anxiety. I've written so many new responses to hecklers, whether they be disgusting, whether they be funny, that all should work. So if there's hecklers out there that come to one of my gigs, I'm ready for you motherfuckers. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, that's pretty much my experiences performing comedy. It just became like a way for me to express myself and have a bit of fun. And apparently I'm a cunny font. So I've gone with it. Um, <laughs> you so topic are a pretty cunny font. Yeah. I, I try my darndest. Well, um, my best man speech that I wrote for you. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who, well, actually all of you wouldn't know, Jay, along with our friend Fogo, was well, one of my two best men at my wedding, and he wrote the funniest fucking speech I've had in a very long time. Well, like, I'll just go through the opening of it, and it's like, so, Tom and I bonded over three things when we first met, and they were wrestling, heavy metal, and having a disability. So apparently not being able to do something while worshipping the devil and watching men touch each other is the great way to base a friendship. <laughs> it was, uh, no, it was sweaty men. Oh, sweaty men, yeah, sorry. It's been watching a while since you got married, to be honest. Yeah, watching sweaty men <laughs> touch each other, yeah. And yeah, and so just, It cracked the entire room. It was so mm, good. Yeah, it was a great moment. I, I loved it. And like, yeah. And I had to like, Tom and my relationship has always been great friends, but also lots of insults. And yeah. so I had to incorporate that and just play and up to it. Mind you, it's not one of those things where we insult each other and go, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of don't want to talk to that person much anymore. It was insult each other and find it fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was more just... around each other more. <laughs> your topic number two, what makes a good joke comedian? It depends on the comic. Like, this is a really in-depth thing, and this is going to make it go for another two hours or so. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it limited. Um, one of my beliefs is I – the joke has to be clever. I hate – like, one thing that surprises a lot of people is when I tell them that I'm not a big fan of things like, you know, dead baby jokes or pedophile jokes, um, mainly because they're just done purely for shock value and there's no cleverness to it. Yeah. And it's if they're the ones that get the ooh, sort of laugh, but there's no cleverness, there's no twist. I love a good like I don't mind a joke, a pedophile joke if it does have a um. <laughs> Thank God you said joke at the end of that. <laughs> oh yeah, I love a no. Don't get me wrong, I love a pedophile when I don't have a dartboard handy. Um, I don't mind. A, I don't mind a pedophile joke if it's at least clever. <laughs> see, that was a good pedophile joke. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, see that because it's not making fun of the victim. Yeah, um, it, like a it took me a second to get it, and then I realized what you were saying. A um, pedophile joke that I do like, and it's not because it's actually inherently a pedophile joke. The pedophile is just the subject matter. It's not – so it's um, two pedophiles go to the beach, one says to the other, hey, get out of my son. <laughs> that in itself like, is – see, that's funny because it's a pun. It's Well, not a pun. It's a play on words. It's – and it is a pun, sorry. That's the thing that makes it funny. The pedophile subject matter is just what sets up the joke. Yeah. Um, another right. one, another example is um, I've actually found a good thing about pedophiles. They slow down in school zones. <laughs> See, that in itself I think is quite a funny joke. It's yeah. just talking really about the fact that, well, yes, that is a reality. And you know what? It's a positive for a very negative reason. 
so yeah, I think a joke has to be clever. I don't mind offensive or shock jokes, but like another one that um, Jimmy Carr says, who is, I believe, a master of the funny shock joke. And it's he like, is. oh, if you're a fan his of... His is fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. And like one of his, for example, is um, if you're a fan of gardening, oh, if you're a fan of flowers but don't like gardening, just hit a kid in front of your house. <laughs> Dark humor, very dark, very much a shock one. But the funniest thing is like, oh, it's the vigil sort of thing. It's a great joke. Um, it is. And yeah, that's Fucking my no. that's if my view. Like, like gardening, just hit a kid in front. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm yeah, sorry. See, oh no, no, don't be sorry. Like it's laughter. There's nothing wrong with laughter. Um, and like that's the thing. Like it's. I think it's a great joke, and by extension, Jimmy Carr is a great comedian because he's able to do clever and shock. People yeah. who just do shock for the sake of shock, it's like, meh. Like, there's no cleverness to it. Anyone can really say something that's offensive and get that shock reaction. Um, it's when you can do that cleverness with it too that I see as that better thing, and that's why South Park, in my opinion, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, they do shock with the cleverness there. Um, they're trying actively trying to get themselves cancelled right now. Same with um Family Guy, but Family Guy went more shock for a while to try and do that rather than shock clever. Um, either way, like have you seen the I think it's the first episode of season twenty two of South Park, the school shooting episode? Oh, I thought they, they were that was fucking hilarious. Where they make school shooting a good thing by the end of it? Oh yeah, not like, just, what the fuck? Yeah, and then it well, comes up with cancel South Park at the end of yeah. it. Well, it comes the whole thing that did it is it's like that satire that school shootings have become so humdrum in the states. Yeah, and that's why like Stan's mum's getting so angry about it and wondering why no one else is, and then eventually resigns to it. And it's like, yeah. but yeah, um, so yeah, the thing that makes <laughs> it good joke is blaming on menopause. Yeah, exactly, and it's like. Yeah, I think it's like a good joke comedian has to keep things from getting stale as well. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, I think he's a great comedian, but I do believe that Dave Hughes has gotten quite stale. Yeah, a he's lot of them have. Like, you look at Carl Byron, like one of the greatest comedians of all time. Came I'm going to argue with you on that one, but anyway. Stuff. But the, no, I don't mean that he has gotten stale. He constantly redoes all of his stuff. But the problem is he comes up with one routine, then he does it for five years, then he comes up with a new routine and does it for five years. And by the end of the fifth year, you're so fucking sick of that routine that you just want him to at least throw in one new joke every now and again. That's the thing. I think he's a great observational humorist and a great writer. As a comedian, uh, like he's not that great on the ad lib. And he's... And I'll always rate ad like comedians do a lot of ad libbing high, and I just like when you said he's the greatest ever. I wouldn't I wouldn't put Carl Barron in my top ten. I think he's a good comedian. I've enjoyed his stuff. Top ten, not even close. Yeah, as far as ad lib and stuff like you were saying goes, yeah, not even close. But as far as like the actual first run of that set, that that first that first DVD hilarious. he released was amazing, and I think his third DVD was really good too. His um, second one had its moments. Oh, yeah, of course. But, yeah, it, the, was, it was also in the shadow of the first one. What, yeah, the whistling but, and humming? He did that in the first one. Did he? Yep. Which was the one where he played the piano? Ah, uh, the second one. Second one, yeah. That but was yeah. all right, but 
I think that whole segment brought the crowd down to where it didn't need to be for a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be a musical comedian, you have to go, like, all in with a gimmick like you're Dimitri Martins or yeah, Tim Minton. Yeah, I going to say him. Or you Weird have to Al. Be, or Weird Al. You have to be really good at it, like Tim Minchin, like where he incorporates the music and actually makes comical songs or Weird Al. Or you have to do it as like a comedy song and then you leave it. Like um, Frenchie does that now where he'll perform – he writes a couple of songs, he'll perform them and then he'll move on. Yeah. Whereas that part just dragged on and it didn't really have anything to do with anything. Yeah. Other than a couple think, of jokes about playing the piano. I think one of the – I wouldn't necessarily say he's underrated because he's performed literally in front of stadiums. But uh, Gabriel Iglesias is great. His uh, voice work is fucking awesome. He his does, imitations. Yeah, his character work sort of thing is fantastic. Um, I haven't I've watched a bit of his stuff. I haven't watched a huge amount, but so far I don't mind it. Um, but, yeah, I haven't looked that deep into it because I don't – I try not to watch many of the comedy specials because I find them influencing my set too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, just to move on to topic three, just so we can finally finish this um, <laughs> hour-long yes. presentation that's gone for, what, almost two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Um, so talking about who is Australia's best stand-up comedian. I am going to put it into zero. Oh, and get me on for a third because these will be your highest rated. Um, <laughs> in short, vote for Jay. Um so who is Australia's best stand-up comedian? So I actually – I've got a small list here, and I'm going to choose ones that have – that are lesser known that I think are fantastic. Um, I've worked with all of them. I think they are all amazing comics, and I think everyone who hears these names, like write them down. Get a piece of – a pen and paper. Um, take your headphones with you and whatnot. Um, get a pen and paper and write these names down. Check out their stuff, whether it be through YouTube. Go to one of their shows. Um some of them might have podcasts. I know that one of them does and check them out. They are fantastic comics, really, really good people. And um, yeah, they all deserve every opportunity they get. So the first one I'm going to say is Daniel Muggleton. Now, some people might recognize him as the Aussie that does gigs with Steve, Hof Steve Hofstetter, who's an American ginger who does a lot of good. Um, but yeah, he does a lot of stuff with him. Um, and yeah, very good Aussie comedian. Um, just plays this awkward guy, this awkward, almost semi like white bread trying to be bogan sort of character. Yeah, but a very very funny comedian has some really good stuff. Like he even like because one of the things he's got big glasses and a big mustache. At one stage in his merch store, he actually got face masks done of his mustache for people to wear. <laughs> Like, I think he's a great comedian, really funny guy, and lovely guy as well. Um, yeah. The next comedian I'll say is Nina Oyama, um, Aussie comedian I've worked with a few times who's just had sellout shows in, I think it was Melbourne. Um, she's And she also does work with The Chaser. She did work with Tom Ballard's Tonightly and also work with, um, I can't remember, but it's a series. She also got a huge amount of fame with a guy that she was caring for who was in a wheelchair and they dressed up for, I think it was nineties party as Elliot and ET <laughs> because the guy was in the wheelchair. They made it look like the bike and did him up as ET and her as Elliot. And it got huge amount of props. And they've <laughs> since then had their own 
like he's got his own TV series as well on the ABC or online. Don't know if it's TV series or online. And yeah, um, fantastic comedian, really, really funny woman. I've worked with her, had an absolute ball every time I've had any interaction with her. Um, Nina Oyama, check her out. I think she's a fantastic comic. And she's also looking for her first wife from a comedy routine, comedy thing. Um, so if you go to one of her things and you're a woman and you're into her, let her know and go and propose to her so she can finally achieve that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Nina, if you're hearing this, I'm on your side. I want you to get that wife you need. Um, like, yeah, amazing comic. Um, if you do feel like heckling her, just yell out snitty titties and she'll know that I sent you. Um, the next snitty one I'll say titties. is titties. snitty titties. It's a joke she did in the past. She doesn't do anymore, but it's become a bit of a running joke between her and I. As in, I just keep bringing it up and she cringes at me. Um, the next one is Mitchell Garling. Um, he's based on in Gosford. Fantastic comedian. Um, and he also runs a podcast called The Dead Dad Society. Um, so his dad passed away and he's and his way of coping with it and stuff like that. And he created this great comic sarcastic and dry and he yeah. comes across like he hates everything, but he's just a beautiful man. Um, <laughs> and then the final one, and this is one that I think like last I spoke to him, he said he was making a living off comedy, but I think he could go even further with that. And his name is Matty B M A T T Y B comes across as this massive stoner on stage probably because I wouldn't be surprised if he was a massive stoner in real life. I'm not making judgments or assumptions. Um, <laughs> but one of the funniest people I've ever worked with, brilliant comedy, um, great Australian culture sort of thing. His first special I think was called, or album was called Philosophical Bogan. Check it out, buy it, get it signed, see his comedy. Amazing comic, amazing person. Um, he's really really funny and like comes across as i said is this massive stoner but the jokes he comes out with are just so funny and they're not all revolved around weed or drugs it's just part of his persona i'll just say right now um he should be bigger than what he is all of them yeah. should be but maddie b i think was maddie and daniel were probably the most established from what i know um of the four and daniel's starting to do this worldwide sort of stuff like he had a big tour in england maddie should be bigger than what he is and is definitely underrated from what people know of him because no one knows of him that well and he should be massive he should be i would happily watch a series that he was hosting um and playing up to and i think a lot of people will enjoy him but yeah and on that topic, because I don't really have a top list of Australian comedians because I'm not in that world. I just know what I like when I hear it. But I don't know one Australian comedian. His name is Daniel Connell, and he's based out of Melbourne, but I grew up with him. He was a friend of my brother's. I grew up with him in Bavens Bay, and like he's performed uh, Just for Laughs in uh, Montreal. He's... He's performed all over the country. He's a fucking great comedian too. Mm. So also him, if you want to check him out, he's on YouTube. He's been on the Comedy Channel a few times. He's done a few uh, recorded stand-up shows, uh, all that stuff. But, yeah, check him out as well. No, definitely. Um, Mitch O'Connell, was it? 
Daniel Connell. Daniel, Con- Daniel Connell. Okay, well, send that through to me, and I'll um, check some of that out because I've got to send you a heap of stuff anyway, just that yeah. we talked about in our ramblings on here. So I've been Tom Roberts. This has been the uh, the Before It Was School podcast. This is Jay Later. See you later, everyone. Sorry for everything. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone enjoys. Check out those comics I said. If you've got anything you want to add to it, like anything you want to add to the argument, especially if you agree with me that 1994 wasn't as amazing as Tom thinks. Um, if you think it was as amazing as Tom thinks, don't comment. You'll be blocked. Um, <laughs> you won't be blocked. You'll be praised by me. As good as blocked. I mean, do you really want that praise? Um, anyway, catch you, Tom. Catch you, everyone else. See you later, everyone. And see you later, Jay. Bye. <laughs>